Welcome to episode 11 of Flip Turns, a love letter to swimming. I'm your host, Chris Connor. First, thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. I love producing this podcast. Here's how you can help. If you or someone you know has an inspiring story to tell, email me, chris at flip-turns.com. Now, let's dive right in. Like. I don't even know the right word. Um, just the the motion of it is really like I love the, the the reaching and the stretching, and I love like the push off the wall. And you know, for me, because I was a gymnast, I love like pointing my toes and streamlining. And I love that feel. I just I I really like the motion of it, which was surprising, really a, a huge surprise. I mean, it's, it's great to know that you can still be surprised by things <laughs> when you're in your forties, like how surprising I, I loved how that, that feel. So definitely, yeah, the meditative quality of it, losing myself in the motion, the feel in the water. That's Judy Kettler describing how she feels about swimming. She hasn't always been a swimmer, Judy took up swimming late after finding herself in a situation familiar to many. You know, middle age, midlife, I guess I should say, midlife is really when everything just kind of hits you all at once, at least in my case. Um, I waited a little bit longer to have kids. So um, I'm almost 44. My kids are 10 and 7, almost 8. My husband is 50, will be 51 in a few months. So we're kind of like, we waited a little bit longer, so we've got little kids. We also have aging parents. My mom is, um, she's 82, she's healthy and happy, but of course I'm worried about her all the time. She still lives alone and we see her all the time. We're, we're a very close family, but I'm still worried, you know, that she's going to fall and break her hip any day. And, um, there is that balancing, that sense of everything is kind of connected to everything else. And if just one part of it falls through, then what's going to happen? My husband, his parents fell into ill health very quickly over the past few years. And his father actually um, passed away in March, and he had been sick for a long time, well, for, for a few years. It, last year, it was really kind of escalating. Um, he was, his sickness was, was getting worse. And his mom, my mother-in-law, has really bad dementia. So it was this kind of stress of little kids and aging parents. I mean, the classic sandwich situation. Judy also happens to be the primary breadwinner in her family, working as a freelance writer. I love what I do as a writer, and I'm really blessed to be able to make a living doing it. I would, there's no other career I would want to do. There's really nothing else I'm qualified for, but, but it's still stressful. And so people have lots of solutions for that stress. They drink too much, act out. I mean, they, there's all different kinds of ways you're going to deal with it, but for me... You know, writing, so writing about it, exercise, those have always been my two things. Her favorite exercise was running, which helped her deal with the stress and clear her mind. I didn't like running at all at first. It was very much a means to, to an end. And then I started to like it. It's that time for me when I do all of my thinking. I, I really do all of my best thinking when I run. 
It's that meditative thing where the world just drops away, but then I can, because the world has dropped away, that's when the thoughts just kind of come into my head, where whether it's like figuring out a story, I'll get the answer when I'm running, or getting an idea for an essay. That happens all the time when I'm running. So it's, I really rely on it to be able to clear my head and work through stuff and get those inspirations. So that's really what running is for me now. Or it was until... I found myself with an injury. I had posterior tibial tendonitis, which uh, it hurt really, really bad when I would run, like excruciating to the point that I just couldn't run. I finally went to a sports medicine doctor and she said, you know, it's not going to end your career as a runner, but you're going to need to take some time off, you know, a few months at least. When I I knew I wasn't going to be able to run for a while, I really panicked because I was kind of in that mode of like everything coming to a head and feeling like maybe I'm going to have a midlife crisis. Like, and I said, well, I can't run. (laughs) What am I going to do? And she's like, I don't know. And then I just said, you know what? I think I'm going to swim. And I don't even know why I said it because I, I wasn't a swimmer. I knew roughly how to swim. Like I wouldn't drown in in water if you threw me in, but I didn't have any technique or anything like that. I had never swam more than probably a lap, but I liked this idea. As soon as I said it, I really liked the idea because I felt like, oh, this could be something cool to learn how to do. This is a great way to distract myself from my frustration with my injury and everything else going on in my life. And I'm going to swim. That's what I'm going to do. That afternoon, I pretty much decided and it, it went from there. Judy has already described the top of the sandwich, aging parents. Flip that sandwich over and there are two kids, Max and Georgia, to raise. She describes Max as kind of a class clown. And he also has attention, ADHD, which we kind of had suspected for a while. He was starting to say things like, I'm not smart, nobody likes me, like all the things that tends to happen to ADHD kids, right? So we got a diagnosis. My husband and I started going to a class to learn parenting techniques for ADHD kids, which helped us a ton, helped us learn about it, helped us get on the same page. We also put Max on some medication, which totally improved his life at school. You know, we were doing all of the right things, but it's still, you know, you just just want things to be easy, right? You just want things to be easy in life. And... And they're not, you know, especially you get to midlife and you're like, okay, well, maybe they'll be easy now. And then they're not. And so it's, I think you start to realize like, wow, they're actually never going to be easy, whether it's kids or parents or other family members or career or whatever it is. You have that moment where you're like, yeah, there's always going to be something So I should really figure out how to make sure that I can take care of my own happiness through all of it. With all of that going on, Judy came across a magazine article and recognized herself in the storyline. There was an article that came out in Oprah Magazine, a very well-done, well-reported article all about how so many Gen X women were having a midlife crisis. 
And I read it and I thought, oh, I like, I tick all these boxes, like everything. I mean, not everything, but I was like, a lot of this is me. This article could be about me. And then I realized like, that's, I don't, I don't want to do that. I mean, I don't, I'm so blessed and so fortunate. Like I'm not going to have a crisis. There's got to be another way. And that's when I came across Barbara Bradley Hagerty's book. That book is entitled Life Reimagined, The Science, Art, and Opportunity of Midlife. In that book, Judy saw that there was kind of another vision of it, that midlife is, first of all, the idea of a midlife crisis is kind of just a myth. There are some people who have some legitimate crises going on, but in general, this is just kind of a myth. And that in fact, it can be a time of um, an enriching time with a lot of possibility and I loved that vision of it. By the time I got home, I was like, yeah, I'm not having a crisis. I'm going to take on midlife. Here's Barbara Bradley Haggerty. When psychologists be- began to look at people and actually ask them, how are you feeling in midlife, you know, between kind of 45 and 65? And what they found is only about 10% of people actually have this midlife crisis. 90% of people are just you know, they're fine. By the time I got home, I was like, yeah, I'm not having a crisis. I'm going to take on midlife. Almost everyone has a midlife slump in happiness. And it's pretty obvious why. Um, You have a lot of responsibilities is what Judy's talking about. You know, you have a lot of responsibilities. You have kids and aging parents and heavy responsibilities at work. And, you know, you think that your brain is going, you know, down, down the tubes and you feel like you're a lot older. You know, your body's not quite cooperating the way it used to. If you hit a challenge, then what you need to do is really think about how you can be both intentional and resilient. Judy's intention to swim reflects a smart choice in avoiding a crisis. Barbara told me autopilot is death, but taking control and being intentional are essential. When people make that shift is when they start to climb back up the U-curve of happiness. Everyone, you know, everyone is far more resilient than they think. Um, And there have been studies to show that people who have really traumatic things happen to them, they actually bounce back to their set point pretty quickly. And also, you know, a few setbacks are good. This has been shown by a lot of studies as well, that it's good to have some setbacks because you learn to overcome them. And then the next time that you have a setback, the next time I break my collarbone, I'm going to go, okay, I've been here before. I know what to do now. This isn't impossible. Before her declaration in the doctor's office, Judy's view of swimming was that it was definitely not for her. I, like that it was dumb. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I'm, I'm going to be honest, I mean, that it was like, I don't know, boring and you had to get wet. And why would I do that? My hair, I get my hair colored. It was going to, it would strip out my hair color. I can't swim because I have contacts. I mean, I had all kinds of reasons why that was just not anything I would do. I mean, I think I also kind of thought only old people did it because anytime I would be at the Y, like during open swim with my kids and we'd be in one side of the pool and then the other side of the pool was the lap lanes and it was always older people. And I would be like, that's amazing that they're here and they're doing it. But I just didn't think of it as something I would do. It kind of never occurred to me that I should swim laps. It, that's why it was such an interesting and surprising thing that I was like, I want to swim. And then as soon as I said it, I 
absolutely wanted to do it. I do think we get these little voices that just these little things that nudge us sometimes. Well, what Judy did and that a lot of people do, and it's one really solid step, one really good thing, and that is she she did what I call um, developed a little purpose. So kind of the best thing you can possibly do in midlife or really any time is to have a purpose that's outside of yourself, um, bigger than yourself. If you're just looking inward, that's going to be um, a recipe for stagnation and unhappiness and loneliness and all of that. So the people who have a purpose in life, a reason to get out of bed in the morning, those people do really, really well in like every measurement, like, you know, physiologically, their memory, they're less likely to have a stroke, they're less likely to show symptoms of Alzheimer's disease, even if they have it. Um, so, so having a purpose, a purpose in life is really important. The other things that are important are your relationships. Barbara had one last piece of advice for us related to that. Other people matter. What that means is in times of trauma, in setbacks, let other people help you. Even if you're independent, just let them help you. And Judy did that. So I texted Marguerite. My name is Marguerite Triling. And um, my official title is Aquatics Coordinator of Swim Lessons. And I uh, teach swim lessons to mainly children. And then I also do teach adult lessons. And I was like, hey, Marguerite, remember me? (laughs) Taught my daughter how to swim. And I would really like to book you for a lesson. I know kind of how to swim, but I don't really, I don't have any technique. I don't really know how to breathe. I don't. I just would like to have a lesson with you to figure out what to do to get started. I was super excited because it's something that I was like, oh, I didn't realize you didn't know how to swim really well. Because I figured most parents who have their kids swim know how to swim. I remember my first lesson with her was the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, And I think I had gone to the pool I think maybe that Wednesday, because I kind of remember taking my daughter, she would have been off school. So I think it was maybe like that Wednesday afternoon, there was an open swim and I had the lesson set up with Marguerite, but I was like, I'm just going to see what I can do. Um, And I got in the water and I did maybe 15 laps and I was like, yeah, I don't, I was starting to like second guess, like really? Am I, am I really going to be able to figure this out? Um, when we started, she was nervous and it was just kind of written all over her face where she was like, I don't trust myself to do this. I don't trust myself to do that. I don't think I can do this right. And I don't feel strong. So then when I met with Marguerite that Saturday morning, you know, one of the first things she did was go over the breathing. Cause I said, I don't, I have no idea how to breathe. So whatever you tell me to do, I will do. Because I had no kind of habit around it. And so she's like, well, what I recommend is bilateral breathing, where you take a turn breathing on either side. And she showed me how to do it. And it felt as normal as anything else was going to feel. And so that was kind of the, the breathing. I was like, okay, I understand that. And then She's like, now let's let's think about the your arm movement. Having been a gymnast, Judy was thinking big arm movements like Mary Lou Retton flying over the vault. Marguerite gave her a more simple visual 
of pulling a zipper up the side of her suit. No, she kind of gave me some pointers and things to think about. And there's still things that I think about and work on. But she just kind of broke down the stroke in the, the most basic terms that a beginner needs. And that was it. I was off. I think the next week I did maybe 30 laps because right away I was like, okay, well, I think I want to swim a mile. I didn't even know what a mile was yet. I just was like, that seems like a good goal because when you're a runner, you're like, well, I'm going to start by running a mile. Then I'm going to run three and then I'm going to run five. And um, so once I realized, okay, it's 66 laps, I knew how many laps I was going to have to do. And um, I think it was maybe that, it, by early December, maybe it was the next week, I just did it. And um, that first time I swam the mile, I mean, it was it was really hard. And it pretty much took everything I had. <laughs> but I did it. And then I was like, Oh, well, I can do this. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Now, when she comes in, she's just so sure of herself and comfortable. She's more confident and she actually swims for a longer time. You can see the excitement on her face when I was lifeguarding and she'd come swim, I'd watch her. And when she'd get out, she'd be exhausted, but she would have a slight smile on her face knowing she was able to do it. And she was so excited that she was still working through things and getting stronger. And it's really awesome to see. What's kind of the through line on these things is that they give you little goals a reason to kind of push yourself to get up in the morning and try to advance a little bit each day. And while it may not save the world, it can probably <laughs> probably save your, your psyche. I love the meditative quality of it. As I said, I was really looking for something to mimic what I got from running, which was the feeling of losing myself in in a, in a movement and in a in motion, just kind of letting everything drop away and just focus on the movement. I think the only thing that's different about swimming, but I like, is that um, it's. I actually love counting laps. I don't have a lap counter because I like that I can just keep focusing on that number, like, you know, 18, 18, 18, and then I'll flip turn, you know, 19, 19, 19. I love to just get in the pool and go for 45 minutes where I don't have to, no one can reach me, you know, I don't have to deal with any anyone else's problems. I don't have to solve any problems. I don't have to really do anything other than be right there. And I love that. Because I've been on my own for a long time as a freelance writer, I'm good at balancing that stress. But part of the reason I'm good at it is because I have these outlets. I can go run for an hour and you know, when I leave to run, I might be stressed out. I've just had a irritating, you know, exchange with an editor or a client or whatever. And of course, I'm not going to, I'm going to always be very polite because you need to, to make sure people keep hiring you. So I can't express my frustration. <laughs> um, but then I get out on the road and I, I, 
it's that place where I can just get all that out, get all those thoughts out, get the physical energy out. And now with swimming, it's very much the same. It's like I get in the pool and it's that feeling of just that motion of the reaching for the next stroke and the breathing. And it's just, it brings me back down to just a very basic physical level where that stuff drops away. It doesn't go away forever. Like it's waiting for me when I get out of the pool. Cause the first thing I do usually is check my phone, honestly, check my email, check my phone, but it's gone for 45 minutes. And that matters. Like that matters a lot. So I don't think I would be able to balance everything, the family, the career, all of that without these outlets, without having a place I can go. But having having that is why I know that I'm not going to have a midlife crisis. <laughs> I have a lot of ways to deal with these stressors and these things. So I'm not going to let them ball up into something that is a crisis. want to thank Judy Kettler, of course, for sharing her story, but also Barbara Bradley Haggerty and Marguerite Trilling for being willing to help out a stranger in need. If you like the podcast, make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app. Then leave a rating and a review on iTunes. If that sounds like too much or not enough, tell a few friends. Thanks. Until next time, bye-bye.